Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, everybody in between. This is Feature This, a fan edit podcast. Uh, okay, thanks for that great musical uh, cue there. No problem. All right. So uh, today we are joined with a friend and fan editor himself, the Cuddly Ninja. Ro- Cuddly Ninja. The Cuddly Ninja. English? I'm not jar. Cuddly yeah, Ninja. Rory. Following it with something starting with a consonant. Well, I was. I, I think I was segueing into Ninja Rory. You know, I just the R got too quick on me. Uh, what's up, Rory? How are you doing? I'm doing very well. How are you, sir? We are doing great. So we have watched, uh, we've done a previous episode, you and I, actually two, one discussing your previous edit of uh, Insidious, which was, uh, it was edited and chopped up to, you know, to make it a better movie, but also completely rescored with the disaster piece um, score from It Follows. And you have followed that up with a with Insidious 2. I guess it's just called Insidious Chapter 2. Is that the official name? Technically Chapter 2, yeah. Yeah, Chapter 2. And uh, you have re-edited this as well. Um, but instead of going to the, uh, the It Follows slash Disaster Piece score, you have done a lot of rescoring with, is it The Goblin? No, it's Goblin. Just Goblin. Just Goblin. Just Goblin. Just Goblin. <laughs> Jesus. Do you, do you not know who Goblin is? I don't, so count oh me in the minority God. on this one, apparently. <laughs> Shit. Wow, what, I'm really curious to hear what you thought then. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so so fill me in. I thought Goblin was a movie that I wasn't familiar with, and that was a score from it. So, obviously, I'm out of the loop on this. No, I, I asked you last night. I asked you. I was like, yeah, he redid it with Goblin. And you're like, oh, Goblin did the soundtrack for Suspiria. And I'm no, like, no, no, no. You said I that totally to me did not last do night. No, Claude must have said that. No. Whether you said it or not, you should have recognized the Suspiria theme at the beginning of the movie for four and a half minutes. If I had seen Suspiria. Oh, uh, my God, Miso. Jump wow. on this. I know. Donna is in. Donna's face is washed with can't believe it. That's all her face <laughs> says right now. Ay, ay, ay. She likes so little that 
everything she likes, you should probably see. True, but true. The, the, eight, the 18 movies she's seen that, that she likes, I should probably watch. Um, okay, so we are we have watched uh, your edit. We watched it last night. However, we did not discuss it. As soon as we finished, we like we bolted out of here. Uh, we just got back together. We got you up here. We're doing the episode. We started recording. We haven't discussed it since. So this is not just us coming to you talking about your edit and you not knowing where we're coming from, but also we don't know where each other are coming from <clears throat> on this particular edit. Sure. So this could be really interesting or a giant clusterfuck. We're going to find out. Okay. Uh, well, let's start, um, Rory, let's start with you and just ask um, what, uh, you know, it seemed like when you made the first Insidious edit, you you did so specifically in mind, well, I'm going to change the score to with the It Follows soundtrack and then go from there. Um, but when when you decided, I figured after you did that, you were like, well, chapter two is a must. I have, now I have to do that and keep going with the franchise. Um, or, or am I wrong? Did you just feel like I have to do this uh, Goblin soundtrack or composer or whoever he is? Uh, <laughs> uh, it's too good to pass up and you felt like you had to move. Like, what's the genesis of you working on this project and doing it the way you did? Sure. So the first one was because I, I really enjoyed It Follows and I loved the Disaster Piece soundtrack. I thought it would work really well with sort of a, a, a shorter, um, less jumpy, less like strings plucky, like just more sort of dread filled thing. And I wasn't, I actually didn't say, well, I've got to do the second one. Let me figure out what it was. I thought it'd be cool to do the second one, but if I can't if a musical idea comes to me that would be cool. And I sort of just left it floating in my head for a few weeks, and then I just, uh, what did I see? I, I was watching uh, Neglify's Scream edit with the uh, that he did using a, a whole bunch of, of uh, Goblin in that era music. Dope. And I, and I was like, I was like, Goblin, I was like, oh. I was like, why not? Because Disaster Piece is sort of musically derived from that. Like, Goblin... It, with what I'm going for, which is a lot less jumpy and more just like long, slow building background weirdness ambiance that becomes pulsating, like that's what they did in movies that were amazing. So I felt like the sort of spiritual precursor to the disaster piece, which is kind of like a modern electro spin on it. And when I realized that, I just started listening to Goblin soundtracks because they've done so many great ones. Yes. That's true. I agree. He's right. <laughs> Confirmed. Uh, so how do you feel about that? Throw, okay, <laughs> toss, what, are, what are some soundtracks, Goblin-inspired soundtracks or Goblin-made soundtracks that I'm not aware of? It's like, uh, go ahead. A lot of the Romero stuff. Okay. Um, Suspiria, uh, Zombie. Um, it's like four or five other ones. They did a bunch of solo stuff, too. Like, I mean, like a, just like a bunch of just releases. Okay. They've released a shit yeah. ton of stuff. Okay. They're weird. They're a band who did nothing but soundtracks, and then they did, well, for a while, but also, like, a little bit of their own music, and then they came back and did some Dario Argenta stuff in the 90s and 2000s, and they do some solo stuff, but, like, 70% of their stuff is soundtracks. Okay, and so uh, just like uh, Insidious 1, when you, you didn't just replace the score... You ended up uh, chopping up some uh, bits and pieces of the movie as well. Um, how many minutes did you end up cutting out of this ultimately? Uh, 20. It went down from an hour 46 to an hour 26. And uh, talk, talk, talk to us about your process there. Like, uh, did you have big goals in mind or 
I have a question before oh, we talk about that. Go ahead. <laughs> Since we're talking about soundtracks and stuff, um, just wondering, like, what are like what are your favorite horror movies? Because you said that you like the more like slow burner kind of. Yeah, Shining is my favorite of all time, um, which makes sense. Some of the I really like the new sort of art house stuff. I, I really yeah. like how they use the music. It's it almost feels like a a sort of retro or like a retro wave of john carpenter who was already like aping stuff before him electronically and like uh, you know like i really enjoyed the witch it follows was good um oh, which sucks. i hated the witch we all hated the witch <laughs> uh, all right well sorry guys we're not here to talk about that <laughs> i want to talk I, about that though yeah, actually, is it is it just the ending like, did it have you until the ending? Or no, was the it? ending was sick. If it was all the ending, it would be dope. <laughs> yeah, I feel that the movie was either it was it was too long uh, and not long enough at the same time. I I I have to my my disconnect from it was just because the language, and I think it yeah. sucks. But that yeah. that's just that's me I personally. Knew about that yeah. going in, but yeah, I don't know. I, I thought I thought that was shot. It's so beautiful for it, like yeah. a we a stupid open field. If it was a me- if it was a music video, it would be so dank. It would be the dankest music video ever. But it's not. It's f- two hours of boring. Okay, so The well, Shining and The Witch really are your like favorite movies. <laughs> sure, I agree with you. I really like the music on It Follows, and I, I definitely agree with you as far as uh, like like the the new kind of slower art housey horror like it follows and even this to some extent when you put that goblin shit over it like it definitely gave it that feel of like it's not going for jump it's going for this kind of weird ambiance thing that yeah. it immerses you in it's more immersive cuz it's yeah, slower well, and that that ties with the narrative goal i had which was to try to remove all the parts where josh seems like a psychotic possessed asshole yeah and by doing that, it sort of became, I mean, it's pretty clear that something's up with him, but like yeah. in the very beginning, they, they have the, the bride and then they close the door and then the mob and then it's Josh right behind it. And he's just, and she's like, I'm so terrified. He's like, stop talking about that. Stop <laughs> whining about ghosts, which is like crazy considering what just happened in the first movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I felt like by removing so, a lot of that, it would feel like a s- slow descent for him, even though he's kind of possessed the whole time, but it, it, it feels more like it comes along more suddenly. Like you see the tooth, but you didn't see it decay and it fall out while he was talking to his mom in the yeah, bathroom. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just wanted to remove that reveal almost. And, and along with the music that would kind of, that would kind of propel it. And then it wouldn't have to be jumpy and it wouldn't have to be, have strings screeching on, on moments. Like yeah. that just feels very hoary. And, and when you just change the music from every time, like the dice are rolled to yeah. just, over the whole scene, do, 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 I don't know. It kind of feel changes the vibe. Yeah, it definitely does that. My, uh, I watched uh, Insidious, the original Insidious two, in preparation for this, and I really struggled for the first twenty five, thirty minutes of that movie. And it, it's weird. I think the reason why is because this is this is one of the truest kinds of sequels you can imagine. In so far as that you have to have watched the first one and kind of understand what's going on because it does not have any kind of recap at the beginning to really sell what the dynamics are with the family and what's going on. And, uh, and I think starting off in that 
in that sort of like it's a like it, it is a chapter two, almost like an episode two kind of thing. Um, it takes for granted a lot of different uh, elements. And then when it starts to revisit all the scares in the house, like in the original, you can have a scare after a scare after a scare and everything's building up to, you know, the reveal at the end. But by now, the characters all know that. And so the first 20, 30 minutes, it tries to go back to that where you have a scare after a scare after a scare with the, you know, with the characters doubting what's going on. What, you know, this, particularly Josh's character, uh, like you said, he's, 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 no, 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 it's, it's just things that go bump in the night. It's not a big deal. Now he is by that point possessed. So I kind of rationalized it away, like the demon trying to underplay what's really going on. Um, but it is hard to get through all that. You want to, you want the movie to hurry up and jump into, well, what's the story with the bride? It's crazy that Renee waited until her mom was like, "Yo, you should get out of there," because like he, in the in the theatrical cut, he has said so many insane things to that point. <laughs> and even when she pulls him away, he's like, "Oh yeah, I looked at him in the eyes last night and didn't even recognize him." It's like, and you waited till I came to tell you to get out of the house? Like that's strange. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. The motivations based off uh, Renee's character in the original are very suspect in the first twenty thirty minutes. That's why it's really tough. But after that, once the plot gets going, like oh my gosh, they're actually tying this into the second one, not in just a, but like uh, with scenes that actually cut back to the first one and so on. It, it worked really well, I thought. Once the movie started going. Yeah, I actually wanted to mention that point as well. Um, so this one's really interesting uh, as far as the horror genre is concerned because it's really um, uncommon that you would have a sequel to a horror movie, a successful horror movie, and not have the sequel be 90% flashbacks to the first movie. Or a complete retread. Exactly. And I think that that's... Um, I mean, fan edit aside, I do think that that's something that this movie as good or bad as you think it is, I think that that's something that definitely it deserves praise on because it is a really unique experience that you can have an independent sequel that only relies on, um, I guess the, like the core knowledge of what happens in the first movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's really, and it actually wraps around it. It ties back to stuff that happened before the first movie and during the first movie. Right. I, I yeah. really liked it when I saw it in theaters for that reason. I thought yeah. it was a nice sort of web. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I really enjoyed this movie when I saw it in theaters. When well, I watched it the other day, I was like, this is okay. <laughs> I obviously couldn't help but notice. It looked like, you know, you said you bumped, you took out 20, 25 minutes of the movie. I would imagine 80, 90% of that is in the first 30, 45 minutes, the first half of the movie. Yeah, it definitely sort of similar to the first set. It almost plays like two acts. Once you get into the further is basically the second act in the first half sort of plays as as one act up to that point. And that's because, like, Dalton's brother, he doesn't get an arc. Do do any of you even remember his name? Dalton's brother? brother? Oh, yeah, Yeah. he, like, doesn't exist at all in this one. Steve? (laughs) Did did you miss him? Exactly. I had to IMDb it, and I edited this movie and the first movie. It's Foster. I'd forgotten. (laughs) But uh, I just, I feel like it's nice to try to, I, I get character stuff, but they try to shoehorn, they try to take the characters back to where they were in the first one, and they're not sure what's going on, and it doesn't really work. And so it almost feels like it's it's nice if you can have character moments and stuff, but when those character moments accomplish nothing and just telegraph every real scare that comes after it, 
then it, it, it just seems redundant. Like the, the mother walks around, we've got the camera behind her as she walks through the hallway and she first sees the bride. Why? Renee does that same thing and sees the bride. That should be the first time you see the bride when she's sitting in the room as, as you have this dramatic thing with Renee. Yeah. Otherwise, the whole tracking shot isn't dramatic because we just saw it with her mother, the same exact idea the night before in, real, in movie time, and she saw the bride. And then she saw Josh right after. It's like they immediately introduce the bride and tell you, it's Josh. In case you're not sure, the door closes, opens again, and here's Josh saying some real psychotic shit. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Baby monitor, okay. <laughs> the baby's on the ground. They see the baby gone, but, oh, she's okay, she's on the ground. And yeah, then the that, next time, she's gone, gone. Like, yeah, that's I, the, you, you cut out that whole scene. Because like, there's literally like three or four different, the house is spooky scenes that you've, you've removed in that first act. And so, yeah. oh, sorry. And I don't think jump scares are inherently bad or inherently good. They're they're not all gone either. I don't know if you noticed, no, but like no. the one with Lynn Shay, to me that works because you don't see anything, and that builds up. You're in her perspective, and it builds up for like three and a half minutes as she's directed around the house. Yeah, and that's still there. But the music doesn't super super go stringy nuts. So there's a little bit there you can't remove, yeah. and it's emphasized, but it plays much more as a build-up, I think, than sort of a, a crazy mm-hmm. moment. It ratchets up to 10 and then back down whenever they go nuts with the strings. In it's... The... <laughs> <laughs> uh, in, the first, in the first couple of scenes, too, I really liked, like, the, the goblin, like, when you replaced it with that, like, uh, like the the cuts uh, in, the, in the shot, like, went well with the tempo of the music. Like, they, they worked, like, perfectly. I was. Uh, did you did you fuck with it at all, like tempo or anything, or did you just overlay and it just worked? Uh, so I didn't fuck with the music. What I do is I'd fuck with shots to try to have beats hit the music. Yeah, it because w- it, it doesn't have to perfectly match up, but if enough sort of beats hit, it really feels it really feels like it matches up. So where you can, you can kind of flip a shot here or or just remove a little second so that something happens on beat. And if yeah. that sort of happens a few times, it, it puts really, you in the. It, it, yeah, rhythm. it feels cohesive, and then yeah. I didn't mess with the rest of it. And it's not really perfect, but if you you notice a few times, it syncs up well, and, and then it works. Yeah, that totally worked. That was like my favorite because I because I like when we were rewatching. I mean, when we were rewatching it. I was like, I was like, just straight off the bat, I was like, oh, this is so much better with the music. <laughs> like, I prefer it so much. I I uh, not to talk about not not to talk about me, but I experienced mm. the same thing making the Blade Runner edit when I started putting the classical music in. It made so much more sense. Uh, it felt like felt more right when you cut the from one shot to the next when there is like a a musical theme that kind of changes. Yeah, it's huge. I am different, I guess. <laughs> um, I I like this soundtrack. I thought it was good. I I did think that you did a really good job of um, playing with the scenes and playing with the songs that you were using for specific moments. And also, I I liked that you still. Um, put the brakes on the music sometimes because I do think that that's um, again something that goes to the wayside a lot with horror with current horror movies um, and I think that that's one thing again that the original version of this film uh, is really success- successful with um, however uh, I I um, so I don't really think that there's a lot of jump scares in this movie I there's like two or one really that gets me, I guess, or one that isn't super predictable in the original version. Um, And I think that uh, as 
um, I guess like old horror typical uh, having strings in it. I do think that sometimes that um, builds up more so for a jump scare, um, which I like. Um, I don't know. I, it's interesting because it, I guess when we first started talking in this episode, uh, you were you were talking about how it really does change the feel. And I completely agree. It's like a completely different movie in terms of just having the soundtrack change. Um, and it's really interesting. And I like the feel of this one. Uh, it's very different from from the original. And I'm not sure which one I like better mm. or worse. Um, but they have like, they both have an interesting feeling and they're both feelings that I like and a feeling that I would want to get out of a horror movie. Um, yeah, the the change in the score, you lose some things and you gain other things. And the trade-off is kind of particular whether that's your taste, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, let me ask you this, uh, uh, Rory. Is there anything, uh, what are some of the challenges that you bumped into? Let me ask you this. Uh, what are the challenges you bumped into on things you kind of wanted to do or maybe you didn't sell it as well as you thought you did? Is, uh, do you have any uh, thoughts on that on your edit? Um, yeah, well, one of the biggest challenges, which it either will or won't be a problem for people, because I ran into this on my Natural Born Killers edit, we're using Tarantino music that was really recognizable, was that a lot of this Goblin music is, like, extremely famous, but then somebody says something, like, from the soundtrack of the movie Goblin, (laughs) I'm like, well, maybe it's not really a problem for people, (laughs) I don't know, I thought it would be really recognizable, um, which might be a detriment, but I think old horror stuff, people kind of love it so much that nobody gets, you know, mad. Like Tarantino stuff has been so played out and fucked out in so many things that like old horror stuff, everyone's just like, oh, cool, you're using great stuff. So I guess that didn't end up being a problem. I think what was hard was was a little bit what you touched on was the silences, was the silence. When you're replacing music and there's so much great music at your disposal, you want to find something for every moment. And I really did score the hell out of this but there are like two main parts that just have no music for a while. And that was like, it killed me to do. Like I initially had, you know, had all this music and I was like, I, I realized that I went back and watched the original scene and the part where they're first in that, in the uh, hospital, the uh, sister angels of mercy, whatever that, whatever it is, yeah, that really needs to just have, just play in complete silence. And against all the music around it and up to it, that, you really feel like you're bumbling around with them, it knocking on dark walls, not knowing what the hell's going on mm-hmm. for a couple minutes, and then the music starts in. And the part where Josh meets, where Carl goes to see Josh, that leads to the knife attack, which uh, we won't talk about how stupid it is that he makes him roll the dice and, and it has the word knife, knife on yeah. the dice. Like that's, <laughs> that's so stupid. But that I felt like that I had all this music, and I felt, then I, I dialed it back and felt like it really played better, the tension between Carl and Josh with with nothing for a while and then when the attack comes and it sort of gets frenetic from there and I don't know I liked the way the humor of Tux and Specs and Tucker played off of that so mm-hmm. it was hard to dial back the music because that's the fun part is finding this great music and using it and it, it's hard to yeah. let it breathe sometimes well, I think for some of the music too if I remember correctly some of it is Goblin but then you took like some of the original soundtrack and like overlaid them I think for some of the scares Right? There's like some of the strings underneath it that kind of punch the scare a little yeah, bit. So that's less overlaid and more like couldn't remove all the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's like dead center in the center channel. You can't get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. But it only bled through on those big moments. But to be yeah. honest, I, like I did. That. 
Well, I think it sort of ended up. I don't think I'd change it if I could now because I, I found stuff that was kind of droning and driving in the background, so it sort of wouldn't conflict like rhythmically. Yeah. And it sort of blended together. And the few moments where there there is a little something like I it ended up working like kind of a nice blend. But they're they're there because it's just this, <laughs> this, they go in so deep on those big scares that there you can't get any usable sounds and you can rebuild stuff, but uh, some of it doesn't sound good. Sure. I was curious about that because I did like it. Yeah, there yeah. were uh, when I said on your original edit, the uh, the ins- the uh, original Insidious edit, where the the music really really comes together uh, almost su- superbly at the end when Josh is getting back to his body. Um, there were about four times in this edit where I thought the music was really spot on, um, and I wanted to get to say those before we get uh, before I start saying anything negative. <laughs> Sand- sandwich these compliments, right? Sandwich compliment, uh, sandwich criticism, whatever. It is. But uh, the the uh, the moment when um, the the music that you have playing when Specs and uh, Tucker is that his name? are walking through the house of uh, of Parker's and it's dark and they go into his room and uh the and then the the horses start uh moving you've got like a the 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 track he has like a slow beat almost like a heartbeat kind of thing pulsating through that that was awesome. I thought you were talking about when they go to uh, what's her name's house in the beginning of the movie because I like that because it reminded me of Poltergeist. Oh, really? Yes, <laughs> and I love that. I thought that's what you're gonna say too. But when when he said that, I do. You're talking about where they see Parker slash Parker on the yeah. bed. Yeah, like they, the he holds yeah. the camera. Yeah, the camera in the back angle there. Uh, I love the music choice there. I also really love the music choice when they go. And they're going back to the young Josh in the, in the scene where he you see him talk to the old Josh and say he, she you have to go this way. The music in there is really good. It has like a little sweet undertone to it, which uh, plays well to all the emotions going on there. I Thank really you. I, want, I wanted a touch of triumphant just a little bit because it's sort of he's helping them sort of crack it, and uh, yeah, I wanted just a touch of that. It uh, that sells really well. Um, the musical choice you have when. Um, actually, you, you know, you just said the music kicks in at the end of that knife sequence, but actually there's a, when, um, when he gets confronted by Josh, the music kicks in a little bit earlier and that theme comes out when they're fight, right leading up to, uh, him pulling out the knife. And I thought that was also really good. And then you return to that theme later, uh, that score later in the picture in the final fight in the, was it like a kitchen area or something? I forget where that location is. Yeah. And I, I thought all four of those ch- times using the, the, the score, man, it was just really working for me. Can I tell you my favorite moment? Sure. Can I tell you mine? Wait, can I guess Wait, first? Guess? You I, guess I have an idea of what it is. <laughs> okay, what's, what is it? <laughs> is it when the lady gets hit, when the lady from Neighbors and Neighbors 2 gets hit in the head with a teapot? <laughs> <laughs> no. Roseburn. No, my favorite one. My favorite one is when at the beginning when she walks into the house and it's just like the dun 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 dun, and he's got he's got the headphones on. And he's like setting up all the gear and he looks like he's playing all the. Yeah, music. that hurts funny too. <laughs> That's my favorite. Yeah, I like that. That one made me really happy. I was like, "Whoa, this is dang, <laughs> so sick." Thanks. And, and yeah, I, what you're talking about the the, the thing with Carl uh, Bezo there. Yeah, yeah, it kicks in. I think when he grabs his arm and then it goes in yeah. with with the knife. Yeah, I might have misspoken or made that not made that clear. But thank you, thank you. Now let's hear. I want to hear about the ones that suck. It's a lot more interesting to hear what didn't work. <laughs> oh, there. Um, I you know to, to speak candidly, you know you you said that uh, there's a tendency to overscore. 
and to to keep adding music in there. And there is probably, I would guess, two scenes in particular. One that's coming to mind right now. There's a scene where um, Barbara Hershey goes into a house. I forget which house now because I'm kind of recollecting on the fly. And she's kind of walking through it. And the the pulsating music is going through there. See, whenever you have that kind of music, my experience is when you have that kind of music in there, it's like it's leading up to a point. Like we, we're going to end on a thing and we're driving to that moment. And if the, if the scene doesn't have that point, that exclamation point kind of thing, then it feels like you're being, you're being dragged as, you're, as opposed to being led. And uh, so that scene was, I thought, was a really clear example of having the music. She's just walking around. There's no, there's no real discovery for her. And then the music fades out, and we cut to a, an establishing shot of another location. And then the next, then the next scene kicks in. I don't think I- you need that anymore. Like, like in horror nowadays, and like, and horror, like old school horror. I think you had this whole middle part, like starting in late '80s through the '90s through the early 2000s, is punctuating scares with music. And I think important horror nowadays like good good shit isn't doing that anymore i think what they're doing now is kind of creating ambiance and using music for ambiance and putting you in a feel rather than trying to just go for utility scares i i agree with you but that kind of music well maybe it's in a modern sense but that kind of music in a modern sense feels very nebulous and um, and very ambiance is, you know, it doesn't have yeah. a dun, 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 sure. kind well, of a repeated pulse to it. You're going to lose some people on the way because for exactly sort of the reason why he didn't like that one. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the trade-off. Is on one hand you're building momentum and tension for the audience to go, but then on the the, the unfortunate part is that there's no beat, there's no apex of that little hill or mountain or whatever to go that you're actually being you're going to. That was kind of the point that I was trying to make earlier when I was talking about the score and that it gives it a different feel. Is that it's really interesting because there are points when they're like uh, key uh, plot that's being discussed between the characters. And because of the the way that the music is with its very like rhythmic, bah, 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 it it's really difficult to to understand like how poignant that conversation is or how much if it's all bah, 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 the entire time then it's really difficult to be like oh okay well that's like a time that I need to be like really paying attention to what's happening yeah like there's a line of dialogue that the filmmakers might be saying like this is the important line of dialogue here and they might have scored it so that that's a little more obvious exactly. whereas when you have a, a repetitive kind of score to it throughout playing throughout the whole thing it all feels equally important equally unimportant right yeah you lose you lose the significance of some significance of some moments Mm -hmm. and even if like that's interesting because i agree with that statement entirely but i like it (laughs) 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 well no about about how it's all equal because in for me if the music's really driving a lot of it there's no line in this movie that's that important you you know what i mean you could watch it and miss any line and in theory still work hmm. but one of the things about accenting dialogue that's that's sort of i i i didn't know how it worked for everybody compared to myself but this the music is very much it's not just over top of the movie it's a part of it like i purposely it is a I'd, I'd shift it when you know when she changes her expression uh at the beginning of the movie like that's right on the that's right as the music crescendos the music literally stops when he closes the gate like it feels like it's very much yeah. in the scene and i kind of liked that i'd shift it in scene in like a very noticeable way and that's because 
to me, the dialogue is at less equally as important as the music. At least for me, and when I watch my edit, that's the way I feel about it. Like they're equally telling the story, and the dialogue sort of is all important slash unimportant. But I would agree with that, um, and I I feel the same way about the film. The problem is that, um, or I guess the issue for me, and in particular with this score, is that because there are those silences, which I do like, again, and I like that those are in the original, and I like that they're in this version, what happens with the silences, because the rest of the movie has a score that is relatively um, mundane, just in that it's keeping a 4-4 the entire time, the issue is that then the silences become the pronounced part because there isn't anything. You know what I mean? Like your brain is looking for rhythms when you're when you're watching something um, or when you're listening to something. And those absences of rhythms can be the important part then. It's it's weird how that works. But I, I do really enjoy it. And I do like this score. Um yeah, the first one is is a lot. It has it has not a lot of score on a ton of moments, or super minimal score, and then it it comes in in spurts. Mm-hmm. And so the silences aren't aren't what's different. What's different is when they start coming in. Exactly. When this is all music, those two parts we talked about in specific. Yeah, the silences are there. I think because I I think at that point the pacing of the movie, both of those is, are perfect. Catch a breath, get disoriented with the character, and then come back to it. Type of of moments. Mm-hmm. So yeah. thank you. Yeah, I noticed uh, when the in the first scene when we have the the flashback with uh, the old, when when it's Josh is a child and um, that whole little se- section. Um, it's interesting because the music um, it, it, it 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 it's it's a combination of two things. It feels like it's being forced, but then it also feels like it's supposed to be there. And to me, that created this uh, this uh, feeling of the music is a character, and the character is going to be with this whole edit. And so get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I figure if you hated those first two scenes <laughs> with that, with with that, with her smile, the music changing, and then the music stopping when they stop the gate, it's like, well, that's that's fine. You could stop there because you're probably you're probably not going to like a lot of the rest of it either. <laughs> <laughs> but it's almost like because uh, like it feels like that scene needs that, or maybe because I just watched it previously with the slow burning strings that the original score has that. Um, when it's replaced with the more rhythmic thing again, like you're, I'm, I'm conditioned to wait, waiting. Okay, it's building up to something, but then it's not. And then it's like this constant kind of thing. And it's like, is it going to do this the whole time? And the answer is yes, it is. I'm I- like, okay, I have to accept this. And now I get it. And it feels like, and I think I mentioned even the, the similar feeling when watching uh, um, the original uh, You're Insidious is that it did give it an older feel. It feels like some the, the kinds of horrors from the 70s and early 80s. So I actually wrote b- about this in my notes as well. The music was a big focus in my notes. Um, but uh, I think that... Uh, <laughs> I think... Sorry, we're having some weird feedback thing going on. Um, uh, That's a leaf blower. It's not I feedback. I forgot what I was going to say. The music at the beginning. You have a lot of notes. You wrote a lot about music. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know what? I'll think it over and I'll maybe I'll figure it out again. <laughs> God damn it. God damn it. The stupid gardener outside. Just draw attention to it. That's what I've learned is important. <laughs> when doing a podcast, With whenever the, there's something distracting, just really focus just on it. Really, whenever anything fucks up, just focus on it intensely. <laughs> All the time. You want to hear it? <laughs> can, can you hear it? 
No. No, these mics are too good. They're really short range. No way. I can totally hear it. Yeah, he's literally five feet he's from a, us. I, I can hear it now. Yeah. Now it sounds like some poltergeist shit. <laughs> dun, 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 I don't dun, remember dun, what I was going to say, but you know what? It follows is a really tight movie. <laughs> oh, I remember now. Wow. Um, <laughs> that is so weird. <laughs> We've done it. Um, okay, so I think um, I haven't watched uh, your original edit of uh, Insidious, the first one, um, but I do think that these movies are, um, I think that the, the changes that you made make them have such a different um, feel and a different flow, um, and I think that even the originals are a little bit difficult to watch back to back, so I think that if the, we would have if we would have planned this a bit earlier and maybe watched like the original version a month ago and then watched the edit, it probably would have, uh, we probably could have been a little better at critiquing it or maybe just, um, being enveloped in the feeling that you gave this film. Yeah. I think your I think your insidious Two edit is a, is a strong compliment to your first edit. And I'm wondering, you know, cause they experienced the second without the first, how that felt. It felt great, but it reminded me of it. It reminded me of it follows, like just off the bat, like it totally. Because my whole thing with it follows was like even when we saw it in theaters, I was like, "This is the, this is one of the coolest soundtracks I've ever seen for a horror movie." Yeah, I definitely love that. Like it's huge. It's huge for that movie, and uh, yeah, I got the same thing. Like as soon as this started, I was like, "This is gonna be sweet" because I like the way it sounds already, and that's huge for me. Yeah, like I'm, 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 I, I, I. I think a lot of people are, and me specifically, like I know I am over uh, music being used for utility in horror. Like it, it shouldn't be a utility thing in horror. And I don't think, I think it's a trend that's going out, thank God. Mm. And that we're getting into more of trying to create a feeling over a sustained period of time over the use of rhythm and stuff like well, that. Well, we'll mm. see because it's almost Fantastic Fest again. Yeah. And we'll see some hopefully better soundtracks. I mean, because the, the, the funny thing is, is like, the funny thing is, is like the soundtrack for It Follows and th- th- this one, I mean, granted, if, if Goblin made the music for it today, it, it's cheaper. It's more cost effective for the studio to use this type of music. Hmm. Just pay a producer. Like it's, yeah, this one dude, one dude made everything in probably two weeks yeah. <laughs> in his basement. Hmm. And hmm. it sounds better. And it's not because it's not strings and it's not gritting. And it's it's like the same thing. Like, aren't you fucking sick of the Michael Bay sound? It sounds like Like, you have string envy, Ethan. Yeah, I do. (laughs) But like, aren't you sick of like just like listening to a trailer and it's like. (laughs) Yeah, the the Inception horns in every trailer. Yeah. Yeah, Like, no, like, fuck off with it. We don't need it anymore. We don't want it. I liked um another cool thing that's really great about your score with this movie is that it made me finally be able to distinguish it from sinister so yeah. congratulations on that. <laughs> i know i no longer have to distinguish it by oh that's the one with the darth maul guy yeah oh i'm sorry is that black metal dude or darth maul yeah, is it black metal or darth maul which one is it well you're welcome for that yeah uh, i tell you one thing i learned just from doing score replacement which i've, I've done a bunch uh, you learn how much actors actually act rhythmically, which makes yeah. sense because when 
you're subconsciously just saying things that you have a natural rhythm to it. Sure. And when you put music to a lot of stuff that didn't have music, you just realize like you don't even need to tweak nearly as much little editing nips as you think because a good editor kind of edits with the rhythm of the acting. Hmm. And so if you get the music at the right pace, it, it lines up a lot better than you'd think like just without you even messing with it. There's a there's a guy named Christopher Mc, uh, well there's Christopher McQuarrie but John Ottman is the guy I'm thinking of. He is an editor who does big theatrical stuff, but he's also the composer. So if you ever watch movies uh, with edited by John Ottman, they're also composed by him. And there's this interesting sort of uh, symbiosis between the score and the cuts. It's really interesting. I had to do a film interview for a job once. Um, where like I did an interview and I had to film it and uh, I it was like so boring, but I put this like folk some shitty folk music in the back because I just wanted it to you know have whatever Sound like happening. a Kickstarter video pretty much yeah um it's not a big deal it was before Kickstarter so fuck you and <laughs> uh, I at the end of the video I get up from my chair to go like shut off the video camera and I was like. Oh, sweet. The music kind of swells here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and leave listen and make the chair explode. And I got the job. So. <laughs> wow. That did it. That's, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> wow. That's the, that's your sick editor. Thank you. I, it was I've really been hard. doing my resume fucking wrong. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Yeah. You need more things exploding at the end. It, it really helps out. Chair expl- we need more explosions just in edits, period. You guys need to do an edit where everything, everything explodes. explodes. Well, and fucking we. So, uh, me and one of our other friends, we just finished watching all of Paradise Lost, um, that whole Ooh. series. And in the second movie, literally every transition in the movie is a gunshot. <laughs> it's so it's the fucking worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Speaking of music that affects a movie, the constant Metallica in <laughs> yeah, and it's only like one song. It's though, only too. It's, it's only the different parts of one song. Yeah, it's all it's all uh, into the sandman. No, it's all like somebody somebody one. thought that bullet was so fucking cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were so proud of it when they did it. You, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. And it's like it's great footage and it's a great documentary, but it's just so terribly. You put should together. do a fan edit of Paradise Lost oh, too. That'd be sick. <laughs> it would just be all. Just, It'd be all just make it normal transitions. <laughs> yes, <laughs> or just all John Dwyer, whatever his name is, just going like, uh, "I'll be on David Eccles' grave." Yeah, that guy's a psycho. And I'll light this on fire, and his teeth fall out while he's talking. <laughs> Have you ever seen this? No. Oh wow. my god, it's amazing. Mm, it's the best. Rory, talk to us about the <laughs> comedy in the movie and uh, what you decided to keep and why. First off, great segue. he's been practicing i have wow second off i i love specs and tucker always have always will i feel like (laughs) they are an extremely undervalued part of all of these movies because you need levity but when it when it's forced in there and it's not and it doesn't make sense it's very awkward because it's basically the opposite tone of of what a horror movie is going for but when it's when it's mixed in organically, it just feels like a like a like a little respite. And and even even like the big crescendo of the movie, in I wouldn't imagine for a second leaving out when fucking Tucker bursts in the door ready to fight after everything's all wrapped <laughs> up. Like it's just great. They and they're the icing on the cake. And I I didn't cut pretty much anything with those guys. 
um, for the most part, because I think they're such a critical part of the movie. Otherwise, you just feel like super depressed. Like it's, it's not that fun to be more slowly like like oh like these baselines are just making me depressed. Nothing, and again, it it's all serious. And I don't know. I feel like a, a, just a sprinkle of that is perfect. Did you see um, Insidious Chapter Three? Yes, but not until after I made this edit, because I totally thought it was going to be with uh, young Elise, and that's why I left like the end cap of this movie. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. And uh, and I, I thought and this and I thought that's the direction they were going, and that I, I saw it. I actually liked it. Uh, I liked it. I liked it quite a bit, and I feel like it would be. It'd be a fun candidate. I have a, I have an idea in mind. I, th- I think I'm going to go with um, John Carpenter's stuff. I feel like that would be a Ooh. nice spiritual Return. thing to make the trilogy complete. Like, it'd cover, you'd get, you know, Goblin to John Carpenter to the modern sort of disaster piece era stuff. I like that through line quite a bit. Yeah, that's a good idea. I don't even remember what Sinister Three was about. Is it starring the? It's starring it's Elise. It, I don't even remember oh. what. It's yeah, so, the, so so the timeline it happens right before the first one, but just like five years before. So it's old Elise. Yeah. Like okay. so, it's Elise from the first movie as a star, and it doesn't have anything it to do with the Lamberts. Yeah, there's none of them in there. It's about this chick that breaks her leg. I feel like I've se- I've definitely seen this, but I I'm having a hard time. It's good. Uh, it. The demon dude has a gas mask. I really <laughs> love the gas mask breathing. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. It's also sound. like really, huh. um, it's really uh, like the Grudge. There's a lot of like water welling in corners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Freaky shit on walls. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. Um, I asked earlier if you uh, experienced any technical um, issues running into this because uh, it sounded like to me, and I don't, we listened to, uh, we watched your edit on a, on a stereo system with it's just a left and right speaker. And uh, it was the, we I, actually, since, we're, since I'm bringing up technical issues, you remember we talked earlier about, what's that, that's that feature on Sony that tells you you can't play the disc? Oh yeah, Synavia. This is Synavia enabled, yeah. We ran into yeah. that. Yeah. But do you know how it works? Like there's nothing that can be done about that. Yeah, it, here... It, yeah, it's pretty crazy. We ran into that issue on the PlayStation, and then we were like, oh, well, we'll just watch it on the Xbox One, and then the Xbox One couldn't read it, and so we ended up going back to Vimeo after all for, of that. For the for the <laughs> listeners, can you tell us yeah, what this yeah, challenge no, is? Yeah, no, I want to talk about this, because people see that and they think it's like a pirated torrent or something, because they, they don't understand what it means. So, Synavia is a, a proprietary thing made by Sony, and it's a bunch of audio tones that are embedded deep within the ra- our vocal range so you you the only you can wipe synavia off of an audio track and it sounds like jumbled dog shit because they're embedded in where all of our main audio stuff is located and what they what it does is if it's not on the disc authored by them and it's played on anything on a sony anything then it'll come up. So if you made a copy of your own disc and played it, it would come up. Like if it basically detects these tones that are in the audio, meaning any fan edit, any anything, it's there to stop torrenting and pirating, which I'm all for, but you can't make a copy of your own disc and play it on a USB in your PlayStation. It basically detects it's not, it's not mastered by Sony, and it has these audio tones that are embedded deep in it. So anytime you rip the audio in any shape, form, or fashion, the way people, I've seen people try to get around it is like p- 
hit messing with the pitch and stuff. It just makes everything sound like crap. So if something was put out by them and it has Synavia enabled, um, I guess a lot of people watch on their computers and stuff these days. I have a Sony Blu-ray, but also an Xbox, so I'll just put it in the Xbox and watch it. Um, but yeah, there's nothing that I could do. Uh, if you have a Blu-ray player, you can put some old firmware and from before Synavia existed, then huh. you can play stuff just fine. That's what I did. But yeah, I gave a copy of this to uh, uh, I gave this a copy of this to my friend. He said the same thing. I was like, oh shit, yeah, I, you're good. That's gonna happen. There's nothing that I can do. But yeah, it is important that people understand. It does not mean it's a pirated torrent because I've seen that a lot. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and it because the because like the first twenty minutes of the movie has a bunch of that goblin score, uh, that Synavia stuff. It couldn't hear it. So it was no, only no, no, it lets you play it lets it play for 20 25 minutes and then turns it off to super fuck with you on purpose. Are you serious? Oh, Cuz that happened to yeah, line yeah. up. No, as soon as it, it detected it in the opening lines of dialogue, it plays for 25 minutes and then it's like fuck you, get a real copy. No yeah, it's, shit. It's, it's actually designed to do that. Uh, and, I, and again, honestly, like most of this time that this would come into play for people is illegal pirated shit, which I'm totally fine with. It just sort of sucks for fan editors. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Why cool. it would suck. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that was that interesting technical issue. So if you want that, and that, and that happens on whether you download the MP4 version or the, the Blu-ray auth- authored version, if you try to play it on a Sony, whatever, it's going to come up. Yeah. It's just that audio. Yeah. Interesting. Um, one of my favorite scares, the jump scares in the original, um, it looked like, and I wanted to ask your opinion here, because it almost looked like you wanted to avoid the jump scare, but then you couldn't quite, and it ended up being this weird half and half. When um, the the young Rory, oh, young Rory, listen, <laughs> the young Josh, handsome, handsome, the young, young handsome Rory, uh, the young Josh is, is is being introduced to the ICU, and he looks over to the little thing that's got the thing with the the heart rate monitor, and then it cuts back, and the Parker is like is stand is sitting up in his bed looking at him from a close distance. Do you remember that cut? Yeah, yeah. So, so I guess for me, there's sort of all jump scares are not created equal, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I I love some of them in The Conjuring. I like that one. I like I really like the one with Elise that we talked about earlier that I left in there. But to me, there's a difference between sort of we're we're with the character and then something reasonable happens that is scary or like that it's not i guess i feel like if we're with them and it works then it works for me but for example if it's just dalton in bed and then we're just like flashing to a bunch of crazy shit in the further like that's just a that's a cheap jump scare that has no you know there's nothing to it there's no merit i don't feel anything i i kind of like the moment where where Parker jumps because I don't know I, that I like that one it gets me I, I like the way it's not like a a ridiculous otherworldly or just totally cheap like kid jumping out of a dresser like yeah <laughs> yeah it's a it's it's a contextual jump scare no I I, I like it um, but oh. I I think the moment is sold better audi- audibly in the original and I was wondering if you actually changed something or tried to try to get it evoke something different in that moment. Well, I did want it a little toned down, just because even though I like the I like that jump scare and I like I like the way it's done, because there weren't a, there weren't any real bombastic jump scares earlier. Like it did, 
I did want it to be a little bit more muted than in the original, which, you know, I, I like it the way it's done in the original too, so I, I totally get that. <laughs> okay, so that, that's really what I was asking because I've noticed also listening to, um, you know, hearing a bunch of different fan edits, um, there's, uh, especially when somebody does like a 5.1 mix, which it sounds like you, is what you did. Um, nope. You did not do a 5.1 mix on this? Oh, I never, I never render it at a 5.1 mix. I edit six channels, if that's what you're asking. Okay, so you edit it in 5.1, but then rendered it in a stereo track. Yeah, I don't have surround sound, so I can't test how well it works. So I don't mess with it. I just export it as stereo. But I do edit it on six channels, yeah. That's interesting. Does your editor, uh, does your program, when you're editing in six channels, does it let you... Um, map the the channels into different areas do you know what i mean when i say that yeah 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 it does but i end up turning them all to stereo hmm. makes sense we're gonna have to have an in-depth conversation about this at some point you and i because i think i think there's some weird echoing that's coming up in your in the track as a result okay. of that that i don't think is supposed to be there maybe 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 parts where i kept in you know, where they have that echoing in the outer channels that I've turned them into stereo, you're, maybe it layers it too much. Because, I, you know what I mean? Because it, 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 when it brings them all to the middle, then it's almost like you've got, that's you've got three versions of it and then two shades of it, so that's maybe what I'm it layers about. on a little bit too much. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Those, uh, those outer channels, especially in the rear, um, that are supposed to be really low in volume, uh, are getting amplified a little high. So, it's, it's so, you, so you guys watched it in surround sound? So would yeah. It, okay. No, we I didn't. See. Yeah, yeah, you have two speakers. I only have two speakers. That's a stereo mix. Okay, it's stereo mix. Sorry, yeah, but we Pizza. we listen to it. It's, the, the speakers on opposite sides well, of the room still so surrounding me. Yeah, no, it's no, when, that, that's why I don't export it at six channels because I can't no, test it. Well, only, what, only dads have surround sound. No, no, no. When you export, when you export, I'm, this, a, I'm a father of two. <laughs> well, when are you getting your surround sound? <laughs> are my you oldest, sure? My oldest is almost I'm, ten. So I'm I pretty sure. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure the office when the hospital gives you a 5.1 surround on the way out. Yeah, <laughs> they're like, they're, yeah, they're like, this is Sony, so make sure you don't play pirated copies. <laughs> but other than that, you're good. You got a living room. You need a giant sub bass sound. <laughs> also, Sedavia was, I think, invented in 2012, which is why it's not on Insidious One, but it is on Insidious Two. Oh, Interesting. And how, how can you? Is there a way to tell beforehand? Because I'd hate to do an edit and then find out that shit's on it. Uh, the way to tell is to watch it for 25 minutes, <laughs> which, I, which I didn't think to do first, which is how we ended up here. But I experimented with what can it be removed, and then I was honestly, I put it out and was like, well, this would be a good indicator of how many people actually watch stuff. Like, like I feel like I'm an old man. I, burn, I make Blu-rays and put discs in, and these kids are like, what are you talking about? We play it on my computer, and we project, and all this other crap. Yeah. And the fact that nobody brought it up until now showed me like how few people actually use like blu-ray players or, or <laughs> have blu-ray burners yeah yeah because if you're if you know if you're putting it on your you've got a, a box you know media box or your computer or whatever like you'll never the synavia won't ever be an issue so it the, i guess not many people use blu-ray players anymore <laughs> yeah we have to because our playstation is hooked up to our projector so we kind of have to because we don't have an well, HDMI for our. I computer. think it's good. I like. I wish more fan editors would make Blu-rays. Like it's just with menus and trailers, nothing fancy. But I don't know. I like. I like a presentation. 
Yeah, that's huge. We've watched a lot of shit ones that don't do that. <laughs> they don't even bother to give us a menu. I think I made, what, six or seven edits, and just now is the first time I've ever heard of anybody downloading a Blu-ray copy of any of them. But I made them for me, because I like it. I want a yeah. menu. I want it to be to feel kind of like a real real thing. It, it, it definitely ups it. And, like, I definitely, like, I like the alt covers that people make, too. With, like, the idea of, like, hey, here's everything. You print it out and just get a blank Blu-ray case and make your own copy of this fan <laughs> I mean, It's so ridiculous, but it's awesome. Do you say ridiculous? I have a shelf right there with four rows of fan edits with yeah. covers and all. Yeah, I don't got, know. I like that shit. We got the... Bezo just brought over this one for us. Okay. Oh, shit. Did he oh, make... Oh, dude. Did he make <laughs> one of the man? All of our listeners are going, what's going on here? What's going on? We're actually... We're, we're webcamming. What do you think I watched? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> dude, I am so wow. badass. No, <laughs> I, I may not be the usual t- the usual case though, because I started a thread about showing our shelves with all of this shit. Because I'm I'm a '90s kid. We love our physical media. Yeah, it's huge. Like it was really funny too when I can be when I can tell people to check out Bezos' edits at the movie store. Go to the movie store and rent his edit. I don't know how illegal this is. <laughs> Well, uh, Vulcan originally told me that you couldn't get the edit unless you rented the original. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Oh. I don't know how long they stuck to that, but that's what they told me. Interesting. Oh, so you well, ha- the, the new location is going to be wait, right wait, behind wait, our house. Wait, wait, wait. Whoa, 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 whoa. What the fuck are you guys talking about? Renting fan edits? Well, no, you couldn't rent the fan edit. You only could rent the original, and Vulcan would toss in my fan edit with them. Well, wait. Okay, so we what? have a video store here that yeah. has like... We have a couple, but one in particular has, like, uh, they have all of the Criterions. They have, like, weird old shit. They have uh, shelves with catalogs of VHS films so you can go through it. Like, it's really amazing. It's just a real independent movie store. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've heard you guys talk about it on the podcast. If you actually go, there's a Conan skit from last year's South by Southwest where he visits Jimmy Kimmel. Whatever. With Matthew McConaughey. (laughs) Yeah. Where he visits that store. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Donna's gonna tell you the rest of the story. You should, you should not be embarrassed for not being able to tell the difference between late night hosts. Well, yeah, that's a dad's job. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know them all. Yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. What do you think? He's got Kimmel on five point one, baby. <laughs> I mean, I have a sound bar, so it sort of replicates. I mean, it, yeah. it puts a little bit of depth to the sound, but it's not enough to like truly test how well the back channels are working. Yeah, I I used to have surround sound, and the only movie I truly enjoyed surround sound for was uh was um, Paranormal Activity. Hmm. It was huge for Paranormal Activity because there's like these big like bass rumblings in it, like hmm. in the first couple nights that are so but scary. Something like some of the new stuff, like Ten Cloverfield Lane or Green Room, which I'm about to see again. Oh, like Green both Room of those, is so the sound good. mixes are phenomenal. Yeah, so I yeah. would love to have surround sound. I, at home. Green Room is amazing. <laughs> Green Room was dope. I haven't seen Ten Cloverfield Lane yet. But Green oh, Room def- definitely recommend it. Green Room was so good. Um, my wife didn't see it, so and I was like, "Well, we need to fix that before it leaves theaters." So I'm seeing it again after this. Yeah, yeah, we right that one like stole the show at Fantastic Fest last year. Yeah, The was, Witch was the biggest disappointment <laughs> of Fantastic Fest yeah. last year. <laughs> like, well, why? It's good that I have range. Well, like <laughs> <laughs> no, we got If you're talking about The Witch, the thing I don't like about why, why do you have to make the goat CG? Why is the goat CG and it runs away in like CG and it looks fucking stupid? And it's like the coolest part of the film is the goat just 
film a goat. It's scary. <laughs> you don't have to make it run away in CG. Don't do it. Let the ladies float for 35 minutes. You know what, though? The movies are so stupid, though. And movie making is so stupid. Because, okay, this is an independent movie. It obviously was not trying to spend money it didn't need to. Which means there's probably some stupid Peter rule about what you can and can't <laughs> make goats uh, yeah, do. Because right. they wouldn't have paid to CG that if they didn't have to. At least, I think. Uh, or they had a really but temperamental also, goat. I'm also always uh, uh, making, uh, I'm a very big apologist for the filmmakers. See, I, any movie I like. The, <laughs> well, the only cut you need for that is when the goat stabs him. When the goat horns him to death. You just need that. But then they add this extra like five second cut that makes it like obvious CG where it prances off yeah i wish that they would have had an animatronic goat personally yeah like a chuck e cheese like exactly instead of running away have it play a banjo you know but the movie is hour and 45 minutes long jurassic world (laughs) jurassic world i didn't hate it to the extent that other people for the website that i wrote for hated it i really liked it's a kid's movie it looks like an amusement park but it's really just a giant ad <laughs> it's great it's like a, it's an ad for jurassic world and park memorabilia yeah. and toys look i love dinosaurs okay dinosaurs are in my top five favorite things of all time <laughs> wow. so if it has dinosaurs in it regardless of what else is happening that automatically bumps it up to a five star movie for me okay so we know what your favite show was then Lost Land Before... No, what was it called? It's dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. <laughs> the show. Why did you guys cut him off? He could have said yeah. a million other TV it is, shows. Like what was that, what that one with the I Land really of the Lost? I was getting show. there. I, I thought it was or, obvious it was dinosaurs. Or Denver the, Denver the Last Dinosaur. <laughs> Maybe that's where we're going to go. Oh, my <laughs> yeah. gosh. I like the one where the guy, they, they film... They always film the sons throwing their mothers off the cliffs to die when they turn like 60, 60 years old. This You always like this one? That's like a good scene in it. Like as an activity, you like that? No, it's like as like a cult thing. It's like very Logan's runny. <laughs> I like it. Like I always like but the you, idea. But you just you just like it as an activity. Are oh you yeah. Talking about a movie. My mom's fucking. <laughs> my mom's gone. She's in the Sarlacc pit. <laughs> She's like, this is the year now. Okay, let's go. We'll film it on VHS. Still pretty upset about that burp. <laughs> <laughs> what else do we want to talk about? Do I have something to talk about that isn't a really specific to the edit so much as it's just about the movie. All right. Okay. Um, okay, so you know when they go to uh, the um, to Parker's house and they like find the it stinks. They yeah. go there and it's already smelly. Yeah. They knock on the false wood bookshelf. Mm-hmm. They move it and then look out. There's a big smell brewing. Yeah. yeah. They go into this world of humans covered with sheets. Yeah. Which I love, by the way. I good, love it's that. It's a good look. I think of that scene at least once a week, every week since I first <laughs> saw this movie. I'm not even joking. I don't know why, but it just pops in my mind all the time. Uh-huh. It's a sweet um, scene. It's so sweet. So I have a lot of questions about this scene. Um, since we're talking about this smell so much, one of my questions <laughs> is why when you lift up the sheet, is there such a, a big difference in smell when it's a fucking like two-ply sheet yeah. and also there's an open area where the hands are, so the smell would just be leaking out the whole time. Uh, I 
totally agree. And keep going because there there's also a one giant absurdity with that as well. Well, I disagree. If we can oh. jump in at this. Point. <laughs> <All right. laughs> uh, so I, I don't know. I don't know how you guys have gone this far in life without being familiar with a concept of a Dutch oven. <laughs> <laughs> but smell right, but absolutely gets captured under sheets. Totally. It's a thing. But a Dutch <laughs> oven. Correct me if I'm wrong. Traditionally, <laughs> is used with a blanket, not like a one in, like a one single ply. Yeah, piece of tissue paper. Oh, no, no. Let me tell you, in the summertime, you can go comforter free Dutch oven. <laughs> there you go. Ew. Yeah. What struck me? What struck me odd about that scene? Two things. One is the I wish there was at least one line of dialogue to explain how this guy's house has been vacant for all this time and not foreclosed upon. Yeah, that drives over. me crazy too. I wanted. One line of dialogue to explain that. And two, I wanted to know, why didn't they call the cops right after that? Hey, we got a room full of 15 dead bodies. Let's get them up here. You can't call the cops in a horror movie. Well, the movie starts off, well, closely starts off with the cops in the movie. They're already there. They're investigating. So uh, they're already part of the equation. Um, so then my other question is, when you're in that room, it's never like, really clear enough to see exactly what's going on with the sheets so do you think that they were all different sheets meaning that some of them had like flower patterns for instance on them and some of them were just white sheets this is or do you think that people were molding when they were being all dead and stuff underneath them and the mold was like going onto the sheets and that's what gave it the flowery appearance that's what it was it was the mold yeah it definitely was well that's your world that you want to live in but i'm just saying like you don't always own a thousand white sheets sometimes you own flower sheets especially if you're a little girl boy one one of them one of them's like covered in like a garfield print yes (laughs) it could have happened he killed a lot of people he needed a lot of sheets and some days you feel like a parker and some days you feel like a Marilyn. exactly true yeah I did like uh, the, the the plot when when the when I first saw this movie I was like okay so this kid has uh, gender identity issues and then he got crazy as a result of it I did like that they spun that and that it was not the kid who had the issues up, upon him it was his mother forcing that upon him who actually uh, really is the instigator for all of all of this. I, I would just like to say that that's Bezos' opinion and that I think that just because you have gender identity issues that doesn't mean that you're crazy. No, I, I actually think the film is 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 very much about that. He he had a gender identity forced upon him, and it didn't go well. And I think that's actually sort of the opposite. It's saying that the sort of heteronormative gender identities that get forced upon people that doesn't work well either. Yeah, totally. It's totally. just like sleepaway camp. Spoiler. Uh, well, that's what I was kind of bummed about in this movie because I was I remember being really excited of like oh we're gonna have a badass like female killer and you don't. You have just a creepy male. Yep, that's because us ladies can't do anything. <laughs> ladies can't kill people. You Can guys want you want equal opportunity for murder as well? Because yes. the serial killer stats super don't support that for some weird reason. Yeah, I know. I'm it, working on it, it's, though. It's the prosecution rate, really. Yeah. Yeah, that makes <laughs> sense. Well, uh, what are do you have any other tidbits of trivia for us, Rory? Things that we probably probably missed that uh, you're happy that we missed because uh, that's the point of doing a good edit. Um, no, I, I I think we've talked a lot about it. Uh, I'm super glad that it changed the tone of it, and I feel like all your criticisms were pretty fair. The stuff that didn't work for you is stuff that 
it was executed the way I wanted to, and it didn't work for you. So, like, I'm happy with that. You know what I mean? Not, mm-hmm. I hope that doesn't yeah. come off as dickish, but, like, no. I don't think there's much that didn't work because, you know, it didn't. I, I didn't do it right. It's just some of the choices I made didn't work weren't going to work for everyone and i'm I'm totally cool with that okay so i've so. said i've said with you before like uh on on all of my edits if i ever get the tenacity to now that i've seen them and showed them to other people and been exposed to it and had some distance now when i watch them i was like ah you know if i ever crack this open i'm probably gonna fix that and tweak this and change that oh you're looking for oh you're looking for that oh yeah for sure there, <laughs> <laughs> there were there were a couple points uh like we talked about editing stuff with the music, and I actually thought the the reveal of the bride, you know, where sort of Roseburn slash Renai, according to the <laughs> spelling in this movie, walks across and you see her on the couch. Um, I I had it, I had the music hit a beat ahead of it, and I thought I was being clever, like kind of like well, instead of hitting right on it and being too on the nose like some of the other stuff, I was like, let me have it hit first. And when I watched it back, I was like. Yeah, that's cool. It'd be better if it just hit right with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because but, uh, you do uh, you little do, moments like that. That little moment is like a weird like. Did I just see that? What am I? You do miss it because it's just a little off. Yeah, there and there was a there was a think there was thinking behind it, and then when I watched it back, I was like, yeah, it just looks like I fucked up. It should have just put it right on. Point. Is that the like, one that <laughs> I? Because I, I said like, yeah, you're like, whoa. You said something like whoa. I said no. I think I said, where's the bride? <laughs> Was it that the one? Am no, I no, no. The when the, she has, I think what you're talking about. No, it might be because the music hits when she walks by and the bride's not there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. She comes back and, and it the bride, is there. Yeah, but the, yeah. she, but the bride has her your the back to the camera. Yeah, right. yeah. She's like okay. sitting down on the okay. couch, okay. but yeah, yeah, you're right. I had the music hit. It's almost like a fake out with the music, which, like in hindsight, it's like yeah, it should have just been right on, right on that <laughs> point, right on that beat would have been better. Did you add a commentary track on this? Um, yes, I believe so. I think this, I see, I forget because I haven't done them for the last couple, but yeah, I think I did one for this, Is but there... nobody ever listened to any of the commentary tracks. So like it started being like, <laughs> yeah, I'm just not going to really bother making them. Like I can think all this shit into the head in myself. Do you think that Sony <laughs> audio thing will kill the audio? Uh, if you play the, the commentary, if there was that track, if it would kill it, uh, if you played the commentary track? Oh wait, you mean like would it do the Synavia? Would it trigger the Synavia yeah. thing if you're playing that? Yeah. I think it would because the, like I said that those tones are embedded real deeply and that audio would be playing even at a low volume. Yeah. So I have to imagine that it's it's not reading your speaker output, it's reading the audio track that's playing itself, you know, mm. I I'm pretty sure. Interesting. Yeah, makes That's sense. why it's so hard to beat. Does Vimeo have an option? Your your edit is available on Vimeo and I think you actually uploaded the 1080p version, right? Because it seemed like it was a really nice uh, uh, resolution on the Vimeo. Um, is that is there anything on Vimeo that would allow you to listen to two tracks, like to have a separate audio track? Because it looks like the, with the video one, you'll only get the you'll, you can't get the commentary track if there is one. I think, yeah, I think mm-hmm. Vimeo you can't. I could be wrong. I Maybe you have it, to be like a premium member or something. I don't think Ooh. so. I think it would just have to be like a separate, a separate upload, just yeah. two uploads. Like yeah. they probably just say like, uh, no, our page is for one audio, one video track because it's embedded on a website, dickface. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they'd say that if I, if you, it, if I asked. It actually probably <laughs> says, sorry, nobody's gonna listen to your commentary track anyway. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, see, Neg listened to it. And 
the, the problem was the first 20 seconds of it, the the mix was, like, fucking horrid. And then, like, 30 seconds in, it was actually, like, fine. And he listened to, like, 30 seconds. It was like, ah, I tried to listen to the commentary track. I don't know. And, and that was it. And I was just like, damn it. <laughs> I probably should have said something about that ahead of time. Hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't know what the hell I was doing with them. Like, I bought a crappy mic. I, like, tried to record. I was like, well, what do I do? Do I play the movie on, like, my Xbox and then record, like, on the computer? Like, how, you know, it was a lot of, a lot of, trial and error and i recorded them with my wife just because she watched all of them and she's pretty funny and like it's more interesting to hear two people talk than you know just one person like i can't do what bezo does which is just like he literally <laughs> will sit there and give you like great details on everything that he's doing and like i i, I lose focus I, I go on tangents i start talking we we go i think we talked about the fan that movie from like the '90s for like ten minutes in the commentary track, like it, they're, they're, they're like loose drunk commentaries more than any more than like tight technical ones. The, the De Niro I, I, I'd rather listen to tight technical ones, but I can't make them. Really? No, no way. Yeah, I'd rather have loosey goosey. Yeah, loosey goosey for everything. Sorry, Bezo, I don't listen to your tracks. They're boring. <laughs> you hear enough of me already. <laughs> yeah, but now you're intrigued about mine a little bit, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We got it. Did you make a case for his DVD? For his uh, Blu-ray that you burned? Not yet, not yet. Because I just built, burned it and brought it over. Oh, okay. So I'll make a case for it. I have a question. Um, what What are you working on now, or what's your next next thing? Can you disclose that? Yeah, I uh, I was gonna do the Revenant because I, I I really liked parts of that movie, and I really hated all of the weird Native American, like, shoehorn religious, like, symbolism, mysticism crap. Um, but this editor on the site, Spence, who does really good stuff, is doing exactly that. Mm. So, mm. the next thing I want to do is The Hateful Eight, which is a Ooh. film that I really loved every minute of, yes. but it, I think it would be fun to make, like, a, a 90, 100 minute long version of that movie. Like, so, that so. would be a total mix, not a fix. Like, I don't think the movie's too long. Yeah. But I really like the idea of of creating a shorter version that gets to the gets to the the, the, the haberdashery quicker and and lives there. Did you see it in the theaters with the intermission and the overture and everything? I saw it in the theaters regular, but not the, oh, the seventy, 70 mil millimeter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, so, like, oh my super god, seventy. So yeah, yeah, we so saw good. the super seventy. It was so sweet. Yeah, it yeah. was dank. <laughs> it was so big. How's it so yeah. big? <laughs> it the problem with Maryland is like it's not big enough for anything to come there, really. Really? So Ooh. I yeah, I would have had to drive like to DC. I, I think it was screening in a part like a Northern Virginia outside of DC, which is like a good hour and ten twenty minutes for me. Dang. Mm. And it was it was playing there super limited, but yeah, no, I I loved it, but I I had to, I saw the digital. Oh right on. Yeah, Tarantino would have cried. Yeah, uh, well, he's a dick, so it's fine. Does anybody know if they're releasing if the Blu-ray is going to have the seventy millimeter um, aspect ratio? It's already out. Uh, oh. Let me look. Well, I know they did like three different cuts for it because they have a they have a theatrical cut, a DVD cut, and another cut. I think. I don't know. Uh oh! We can see Roy looking at the Blu-ray right now. The Blu-ray case of uh, yeah, it's pre it's presented in two seven six to one. That's it. That's it. There yeah. you go. Cool. Are you so? Are you like a big horror fan or not particularly? You have an appreciation for the genre. It's it's odd. I would definitely say I'm a big horror fan, but there are probably a ton of 
classic horror movies that somebody who says they're a big horror fan would have should have seen and hasn't. I, I think it's the best genre to tell other types of stories in. Like I, I love the aesthetic of a horror film, and I think there's there's so many different things you can tell in that genre that it's the most versatile genre for me. So like I love some horror movies, and then some horror movies I think are just absolute garbage. Um, but as a genre, I think it's such a great backdrop and there's, a, there, there are a ton. I, I would, so I would say I love it, but like, I, I don't, I, I haven't seen Jason's like four through 19 or anything. Cause it's like, yeah, the first one's good. And then once he gets the mask, he's basically like just a ridiculous That's sacrilege. It was just Friday the 13th. <laughs> Jason. I like the second one. I like the second one. X was cool when he was in space and she gets oh, sucked get through the grate. She, <laughs> she gets sucked through the through the grate and then turned into I'm like more a of a leprechaun in space kind of girl. Oh, <laughs> the best of the best. We need to watch yeah. all the leprechauns this year. Yeah, yeah. I like leprechaun in the hood. Oh, so that good. Really so good. good. So good. You like it unironically though? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, no, good. not at all. So, like in a Tremors two kind of way. Tremors two, I like on I like unironic. Tremors uh, one is amazing. I think I wore out a VHS tape of that movie when yeah. I was a kid. A tre- Tremors one, I love unironically. Yeah, too. yeah. Tremors two, is that the one where they're like on the land, or is that three? I don't remember. I think they're all. Wait, if that's three, then maybe that's the one I'm thinking. I'm revealing of. a little too much about myself <laughs> right now. <laughs> This is a good place to end this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Jonna hates everything, but not Tremors. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> tremors rules. Ay, ay, ay. Well, oh, oh, I was just going to say, I like paranormal activity. <laughs> I like oh, the purge. So, oh, that, see, that's one that might surprise you. I've never seen any of them. Oh, you got to watch those. They're not... I know, but do they work after years and knowing what they yes. are? Totally, that totally, yeah, totally. They, the first so, one does anyway. So I saw the right. first Paranormal Activity when they did the limited release. We were actually still living in Michigan at the time. Um, yeah. But I saw it when they did the n- initial limited release in like 10 cities or whatever. They had it in Ann Arbor. And I went and saw it with my friend and it was so fucking loud in the theater. Like everyone was screaming just like the trailer showed. Like people were like freaking out. And you couldn't hear anything in the movie, and I fucking hated it. Yeah. And then I bought the movie like a year after it came out and rewatched it, and I yeah. loved it. You it gotta watch it. You gotta watch it with a like a bassy system because yeah. it has a lot yeah. of like weird. Right. Use those the first one to use those like sub the tones that you can't even hear, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of sub tones. The new one sucks though. New one that one Someone needs to. Yeah, it's like the seventh one. Is any the seventh of anything good? Well, it's yeah, Star Wars. That's why it sucks. <laughs> oh, good call. <laughs> uh, I want to see the Purge too. I want to see someone edit the Purge because I like the Purge, <laughs> but they need I, to edit it. I so know, I, here's what I know about the Purge. It assumes that if the murder rate is zero on every other day, then that is a completely legitimate reason to let everybody murder people on one day. <laughs> it's sweet. I learned that from Bezo. That the central point of the movie is not to ask the question on whether or not that is a good trade-off in society. It's just an assumption. Yeah. <laughs> I like my. I need. They need to do a purge where everything is filmed from uh, security cameras. That would be so sweet. 
and yeah, like GoPros. Yeah, cameras that can't move and are too far away. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell with yeah. With no sense of framing or any, any sort looks of composition scarier. at all. That sounds awesome. It looks <laughs> scarier. <laughs> And GoPros. People need GoPros. Purge with everybody oh. with GoPros. Yeah, it's only, ooh, it's ooh, only ooh, legal GoPros. if you GoPro. Did go y'all pro. see Hardcore Henry? Not no, yet. Not no, yet. no, 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 not yet. I want to All so right. bad. Is it uh, dank? Uh, it, 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 I mean, the, the story is total garbage, but as a stunt choreography, like as an experience, like it was, it was the, the, the stunt work is so incredible. It's absolutely worth seeing and riveting. Just be aware that it's like a 12-year-old sexist boy wrote the like wrote the movie <laughs> but the, but all the stunts and choreography and, and everything is so good yeah so good it, it definitely, it's very much like a video game so they yeah. were going for that and so you know that's it, that's fine but yeah i was blown away by the work the stunt work it's like the only movie i've seen a trailer for recently where i'm like that will make me sick watching this <laughs> will make me definitely make me feel sick i want to see, see swiss army man that's the next movie i'm interested in is that the Farting Corpse one. Yeah, yeah. Daniel Radcliffe and Paul okay. Dano. <laughs> I really hoped I was right because otherwise that question would have sounded weird. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I miss you that so bad. It comes out next. Month. I love I Paul wait. Dano though. Who doesn't love Paul Dano? He like he gives. He's cute, but like I'm. I John feel Cusack, gross for thinking he's cute. Oh, yeah, John Cusack did not steal did that. Did you movie. watch Paul the? <laughs> well, no, yeah, no, that, no, yeah, John Cusack hates Paul Dano because Paul Dano stole that movie. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Paul Dano in that movie also made guys such as me that eat cheeseburgers four times a week feel okay about their bodies <laughs> <laughs> that's what i like about did Paul you Dana. watch that edit love and mercy uh, no i haven't i haven't seen uh, uh uh take me to your cinema's edit yet but i want to yeah it's great yeah, it, it seems, seems seems pretty awesome i heard you guys talk about it which yeah. also made me want to see it it reminded me that i needed to see it actually you know after watching that movie we are y'all already had tickets but i bought a ticket to go to psych fest because brian wilson was coming in he was going to do the whole pet sounds thing and i had been hyped up by these two about it and then they canceled Psych Fest like the night before. Yeah, due to rain. Yeah, it was a total fucking bummer, so, man. Yeah, total bummer. I had I had the e pills on deck for Brian Wilson. Ready. And also, <laughs> oddly enough, though, we actually met someone from Baltimore, from Maryland, and took him in. We let him stay at our house, and we got him into all the shows that we were going to, like the makeup shows for it. Uh huh. And he gave. I like us- how you talk about him like he's like an alien. Oh, <laughs> we, well, we didn't know from Baltimore. Yeah, got, I don't know. He could have been a murderer. He totally <laughs> was. He totally was an alien. He'd gone to over forty fish shows. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He yeah. was a total At alien. That point, you're not human. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wouldn't dress anyone from Baltimore. The wire is pretty spot on for the, rest of the west side. <laughs> yeah, oh. that was like every time we would introduce him to someone, it was a constant berate but, yeah, of yeah, the, wire, the wire jokes. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, no, it, it never gets old. It, <laughs> sure, <yeah. laughs> it is nice having the greatest show in the history of television set around your city but it's uh, bad that it basically shows how awful your city is or was the twilight zone wasn't set around a city though <laughs> probably not uh. <laughs> well roy it's been uh it's been awesome where we've gotten so far off uh cue uh that we should probably uh end this before we end up doing four hours of just kind of tangenting <laughs> around everything else that's fine. Four and a half hours. I'm still chopping that down. That's <laughs> yeah. going to take a while. <laughs> so, uh, so everybody's listening. Insidious uh, to uh, Bride in Black uh, is, is, is available on your blog, which is? Uh, Thecuddlyninja.wordpress.com. All my edits are there. The Man with Fire on His Face, the first Insidious, is also there, mm-hmm. which I'd recommend watching if you like this one. 
Hey, can we ask, how'd you get the cuddly ninja? Uh, so it goes back to, uh, back in the day I was on, I was on Twitter. I was one of those people doing like, uh, jokes on Twitter that translated into like stand up and writing for national lampoon here and there, like that sort of thing. And I just wanted to like, it was Twitter wasn't new, new. Yeah. So there weren't a bunch of names available. And I was just, I just was trying to think of two words that would be like, that were, that were sort of that matched each other, but we're also inherently at odds with each other. And it, I don't know. It's just like, it's one of those things. It's not a fun story. It just hit my brain. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's fucking, that's fucking cool. I'll keep that for the next decade. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyway, his edits are on the, if you Google the Cuddly Ninja and uh, WordPress, uh, all of them are there. I do recommend watching um, uh, your edit of Insidious 1 before this Insidious 2 edit to set the tone uh, from one to the other. And uh, so I recommend watching this edit of Insidious 2 because I thought it was on a level of dank to dank. It was dank. All right. High dank <laughs> Thank price. you. Yeah. That's what I give it. I give it dank. I'm not going to talk about this movie, but I'll go ahead and plug what I have coming <laughs> up. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's an honor. <laughs> it means it's a good movie. I've heard you hate so many good movies that I'm like, great. I, anything bad she says will just make me feel better about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like this movie. I think I've said that a, a few times. Um, yeah. So, you know, check that out. What do you have coming up? What are you going to plug? Oh, well, this show will be coming out Monday after my improv show. So if you could go back in time and come to my improv show tonight, that'd be tight. (laughs) And if you are listening on the radio, listen to us on the radio on Tuesday, tomorrow, uh, for FCC Presents. Yeah. I think uh, the episode name is hashtag activated. Hashtag activated. So where we're we going to be talking about activated juice cleanses. We try to meld our cheese <laughs> together. Our cheese. We're going to try to meld our cheese on tomorrow. I don't know why. I'm sorry for ruining your No, shit. no, no. It's all good. Okay. Keep going. That's it. Oh, and That's you can the... follow me on Twitter at Donna underscore bourgeois. Thanks. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Can you spell that? Because I actually tried to find you when you said it, and I was like, nope, no fucking clue. How to spell it. I tried a bunch of different variations. So Spell it for people. Okay, it's D O N N A bourgeois. Underscore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bourgeois. I got, I got that part. D O U R G O I S. Yeah, and follow us at Call Busey, and follow uh, follow me at X three four E R B. Oh, one other thing, I'd like to give a shout out to um, fuck the caps. So great job there. Like the caps, <laughs> caps are out of the play. We're just rounding we, everything out. Oh, hockey. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hate the caps. That's fine. I'm, yeah, a, ter- I'm a Maple Leafs fan. Ooh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I know. I know. All I know. Right. You all well, this, me. That's not what you want. Yeah, have, <laughs> we, we, have fun with we that. We don't have to post this edit. This <laughs> podcast. <laughs> 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 all right. Oh man. I'm, all right. Anyway, hey, thank you guys for having me. Hey, thank you. I'm sure more will happen in the future. Yeah. yeah, we'll have to do another one next. We'll next time you have come out, get working on that purge all from security camera edit. <laughs> working on it. Thank <laughs> you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> I appreciate right. it. Thanks, Roy. We'll uh, catch you and everybody else on the flip side. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Sa-da-da-da, 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 sa-da-da-da,